The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Hello, nice to meet you. Here we go. Um, I get to play the guitar and sing, and sometimes they let me talk. So this is, this is what I'm doing. So let me pray for us, and we'll get started. Father in heaven, I do pray that you will help us um, to love our spouses better. I pray that we will focus on our marriages because of how um, sacred they are and that you will be honored and exalted. And I pray that as we get to look into your word and see practical application, I pray that uh, you will enrich our marriages and you'll be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so what we're going to do is I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk about c- uh, communication and conflict resolution. Um, yay! Um, because it's so important. Um, and what I want to do is I want to look at a passage of scripture and then I want to apply it to us as married couples. So I want to look in First Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read just uh, verses 7, 8, and 9. And uh, yeah, I'm going to read those and we'll talk about it. So this is God's word. It says, likewise husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. And then finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing." All right, so we need to, for us to understand the context of this, this is coming in a series of commands that Peter is giving in First Peter, and it goes all the way back to uh, chapter 2, verse, ter- verse 13, where he says that you need to be submissive to every human institution. Now, what's really interesting about that is he says, that's, and that's where the command comes from, if you wanted to, to diagram these sentences, which would make my heart so happy. Um, that's where the main command comes from, and it's be submissive to every human institution. So we need to understand that the Christian life is about submitting to the role that God has called us to. All right, this is a big deal because a lot of times when we talk about marriage, you will see specifically in marriage that both Paul and Peter um, give the command to wives to be submissive to their husbands. And there are a lot of people that will twist scripture and say, see, this is establishing a patriarchy where the man is higher than the woman. And we need to understand that's actually the opposite of what's happening here because that is the culture in which the New Testament was written in. But what we have is we have the Christian life itself is about submitting and specifically submitting to the roles in which God has called us, right? So we see that laid out here. So in 2.13, it's every human institution. And then he goes on from there and he'll talk about the governing authorities. He'll talk about slaves and masters. Then he'll talk about wives, then husbands, and then everybody, right? And so we need to understand that in the context. And also here, pay attention to what it says here, especially if you have some sort of mindset where you've seen people attacking Christianity because they'll say, oh, well, Christianity devalues women. Well, no, no, no. Look at what it says here. This is what we're reading specifically to men. It says, men, live with your wives in an understanding way. And it says, showing honor, right? Honor's a big deal, to the woman, Right? So husbands are commanded to show honor to their wives, which doesn't, doesn't seem like devaluing. That seems valuing. And then it says, because they are heirs with you, co-heirs with you of the grace of life. So we are co-heirs in salvation. That, that Again, that's at least equal, right? And then it says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Time out. Okay, did, we, did you guys see that? Scripture, under the inspiration of Holy Spirit, says husbands... You need to treat your wives correctly so that God will listen to your prayers. 
That's a big deal, right? So what I want to do specifically is when we look here, it looks like, and this is really cool, the way that God, you know, God doesn't give us specific commands for every situation in our lives. We, you don't have that. Sometimes that would be really nice if I could know exactly what to do in every situation. Thus says the Lord, great, I would love that. But what we have is we have general commands that are given to us, I think, where we're at. You know, like, um, I think, uh, was it Rob this morning mentioned something about, uh, about how husbands aren't supposed to be angry or be harsh? You know, it's like, that's actually, typically, if you're like, who has the more tendency to be harsh? It's usually the husbands, right? So that's a big deal. And as far as submissive, it's there, uh, we see, yeah, from, from the beginning, as soon as sin enters into the world, we see, oh, yeah, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and, and wives are going to try to reject that submission. It's going to happen. And so we see the specific commands. And so this specific command to husbands is fascinating because he says, live with your wives in an understanding way. All right, now, what, if, you, uh, if you look in the original language, if you're going to translate it in a wooden literal translation, it would be live with your wives according to knowledge which I don't know if you realize that is asking husbands to do the impossible. (laughs) Husbands, for you to be faithful to the Lord in your relationship with your wife, you need to understand her. I give up. But what's fascinating is that, I mean, that's exactly what we see. And in fact, yeah, that makes more sense. It makes more sense to tell husbands, man, you need, to, you need to figure out your wife. And in figuring her out, you need to understand her and you need to honor her in that. That's what's, I mean, we're, that's summarizing this passage. Now, what we need to understand in light of that is that that is only going to happen if we are communicating well with each other. Right, because here's the deal. It, and we need, to, we need, this goes both ways, right? If, if you are going to truly understand your spouse, you're going to have to communicate well. And often, your spouse isn't going to communicate with you unless you ask. And we need to realize that knowing and being known both require work and maintenance. This is, this is an ongoing issue that we're going to have. And what we need to do is we need to realize the sacredness of the relationship that we've been called to. Right? Because if we're looking in Scripture, there are specific examples like, that we're supposed to follow in marriage. The first we see is that of the Trinity. Right? So in, in creation, you've got God saying, we're going to create in our own image. Let us make man in our own image after our own, li- our own likeness. And so you have the, the, the picture of the Trinity as what we're looking after. We're supposed, to, this, we're supposed to mimic the Trinity, right? Because the Trinity is this three-in-one relationship and the closest human way we can get to that is the two-in-one relationship in marriage. And that's why a husband will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. That oneness is what we're striving for, right? And for us to truly become one with our spouse, we kind of have to die to some of our individualistic qualities, that's a big deal. And then the other picture we have is that of the gospel of Christ and the church. And so the, this is what we are, this is what we're mimicking. And that's why it's good for us to or, orient our thinking to say, okay, imagine that you and your spouse 
are supposed to be giving a picture of the gospel and realize that you are preaching something in the way that you are living and interacting and loving your spouse. And what are you preaching? Are you preaching the gospel? Are you preaching something contrary to that? All right, so on a practical level, let's think about this. How are we communicating with each other? That means that you need to know yourself and you need to know your spouse. All right, does that... Does that make sense? You need to know yourself and know your spouse and you need to give preference to your marriage over yourself individually. Like, you know, right now in our culture, for the past, I guess, probably a year or two, people have been obsessed with, uh, I always pronounce this incorrectly, Enneagrams, thank you. I always want to say Enneagram because I like to make fun of it. And the problem is if you say something incorrectly enough, it gets twisted in your brain. But what I mean is Enneagrams, that's right. So it's so funny. So everybody's trying to figure out what number they are. And we've seen these types of phases um, in culture, right? Like personalities and uh, my, my personal favorite, the love languages. Um, and what we need to do is I think that there are some ways in which all of these things can be helpful and there's warnings we need to have from, like, to be honest, when I remember when, like, people were super obsessed with the five love languages, and they're like, well, what love language are you, and what, what language do you speak, and what language do you hear in? And I thought, that's bullcrap. <laughs> and then I started, like, thinking through this more, and I realized, okay, we need to see these are not laws, but if this is helping me understand my spouse, and helping me, is this, if this is a tool that I can love my spouse better, then I can learn from this. In fact, we, for my wife and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna embarrass her as much as possible. She's in this room, I'm just kidding. Um, it, this is really funny. So I can remember, I, uh, there was a phase where as soon as I got home every night, no matter how late it was, even like during summer camp, I, wanted, I would come home and I would clean our kitchen. And because in my mind, I'm thinking, she's going to be so happy with me. She's going to be, this is going to be the best thing ever. Come in, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I don't want to clean the kitchen. I want to clean the kitchen. Because, you know, we have four kids who are terrible. <laughs> they, they are irresponsible. They break things. They leave stuff places. And it's like, it's a constant, it is a full-time job just to put stuff away behind them. And so I'm like, I'm going to serve my wife in this way. And there were times when I would come home and it would be super late. My wife would be like sitting on the couch reading or looking at her phone or watching something. And I would come in and be like, hey, good to see you. And then I would come over here. And for the next 30 minutes, I'm just cleaning the kitchen. And I think she should be so happy with me. And then one day we had a conversation where she's like, she said, stop doing that. And I was like, but I'm doing this for you. And she said, I would rather you sit down and hang out with me. And I was like, oh. So that guy with the love languages was like, he meant, he, there was something to that, right? Because it doesn't matter how much in my mind I'm trying to serve her in the way that I want to be serving her. I, she wasn't receiving that well. She wanted, it was, it was better for our marriage for us to just stop 
and sit down and hang out. And I was like, well, this is great. But we, so we need to be careful. Like with all of these things, there are ways that you can learn more about you and more about your spouse, but make sure that we're using those as tools to serve our spouse. What I get frustrated with is I, I do think, I think the, um, the Enneagram stuff is just really good for memes. I think that's the only benefit in it because um, so many people are taking it so seriously. Like they're even putting it on like their business card, you know, like, oh, so-and-so, this is my job, number three. I'm a three. <laughs> and I think for Christians... First off, I, I, I have not. So there's some of you that are probably like, oh, the Enneagram, that's evil. It has pagan cultic roots. And I think maybe um, I'm not endorsing them in any way. But what I am endorsing is knowing yourself, knowing your spouse better, whatever you're doing to make that happen, great. But you do not hold that up as a trump card against your spouse. What I mean by that is you can't say, oh, well, he isn't loving me in my love language, so he's out. Oh, time out. Have you talked to him about it? Right, this, is, this is huge. A- acknowledge, oh, he's trying to love you. And it's funny, my wife and I joke around because uh, we joke around about how my love language is sarcasm and hers is violence. <laughs> and I have, to, I have to train myself to hear in violence. And I realize, oh, th- she does like me. Uh, but she... Uh, she speaks in violence, but she hears with burgers and tacos. That is, that's the way she hears love. So I've got to make sure that I'm on the right page. But what you can't do is you can't use your personality as a way of holding something against your spouse. That doesn't trump your marriage. Do you understand that? You can't say, oh, well, that's not my personality. I'm not naturally serving or loving or caring or speaking words of encouragement. Okay, get over yourself because your marriage takes priority over that. You can't say, oh yeah, well I did that because you know, I'm an eight and I just say things without thinking. You, yeah, okay, great. Do, whatever you're, if you're, whether it's an Enneagram, Enneagram or personality or whatever, don't use that as an excuse for sinful activity. If so, you're sinning against God. And you need to understand this, yes, you have been made in a certain way. You have a personality but that can change in submission to the gospel and to your marriage. We have to get over ourselves because what's more important, your personality or your marriage, right? So that leads into conflict resolution, right? We need to make sure, as far as communication goes, if we've been commanded to love each other and husbands, they, husbands are, being, are commanded to understand their wife, to live with their wives according to knowledge, then that also includes a man getting to know his wife and a wife being known by her husband, all right? And so then, we, in, inevitably, if you're living in this world, you are gonna have conflict. If you haven't had conflict, congratulations, you're self-deceived. Anyway, uh, It's going to happen, and so what you need to understand is you need to understand how you deal with conflict and how your spouse deals with conflict. You need to have open communication about that, and then here's the deal. Each one of us has to change. There you go. You've got to compromise because, again, you can't hold up, well, this is how I deal with stuff. Okay, yeah, that's fine if you want to be single for the rest of your life. You can say, as a single person, this is, I'm holding up, this is how I deal with stuff. If, if, people, don't, if, people, aren't gonna, um, if people aren't gonna conform to that, forget about them, great. You can do that and be single. But if you've made this commitment before God and you're supposed to be pursuing oneness with each other, then you need to figure it out and you need to compromise. What do I mean by that? I mean, so for me, 
I am a, I like to talk things out immediately. That's, that's me. I am stereotypical like, let's fix this. I can tell you're upset, tell me why, and let's talk about it right now. Let's talk about it until we get to a resolution. When we get to the resolution, let's shake hands and we're done. We're good to go. My wife is not like that. My wife is, she is an internal processor. And so for her, she has to, she will be offended. Usually because I've said something that was sarcastic and mean. So she will be offended. And so what she has to do is her brain will say, I know I'm offended emotionally, right? Emotionally, she's offended. And then rationally, she has to work it out. Now, if I try to interrupt that process, that's not good, right? I, and so this has led to at times dishonesty because I'll say, is, anything, is something wrong? And she'll go, I'm fine. But I know she's not fine. <laughs> she's not trying to lie to me. She knows she's not fine, but she doesn't know why. She doesn't know how to articulate it because the way that her brain works is she's got to figure it out. When she figures it out, then she's ready to talk about it. And then once we talk about it, that's great, then I'm good to go. Let's go hang out. Not yet. For her, <laughs> because for her, she will rationally be like, I'm not mad anymore. But emotionally, she's still mad. And so what has to happen is, is that her emotions have to catch up with her reason and then we're good to go. All right, now, is one of us right and one of us wrong? No, this is the way that we are. And so what do we have to do? We have to change because our marriage is more important than the way that we're wired. So how do we do this? We compromise. What I do is I say, I see that you're upset. And what she has to do she has to do this. This is where she has to change. She has to be able to say, yeah, I'm upset, but I'm not ready to talk about it. That's a change for her. She's compromising because normally she'd say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I know you're not fine. Um, and so she, she changes. She, sa she says, I am upset, but I can't talk about it right now. And so then what has to happen? I have to change. I have to say, all right, I will wait until you're ready to talk about this. And so then, when she's ready, we talk about it. And we talk about it, we work it out, usually involving me apologizing because I was said something that was mean and sarcastic, that was taken either the right way, and I shouldn't have been like that, or the wrong way, and she should have understood me. But, um, but then we resolve it, we talk it out. But we're, not, we're still not good then. Rationally, we're good, and so what, ha what has to happen again? I have to change. She's talked it out with me, we've dealt with it, and I have to wait until she's ready, and then we're friends again. And then we go get ice cream, it's wonderful. Um, so, but, that's, but it's so important, because if either one of us tries to hold on to the way that we're wired, or hold on to our personality, or hold on to us individually, well then we're damaging our marriage. We're not being obedient, we're not being faithful, and we're not pursuing oneness with each other. I'm not able to live in an understanding way with her because we're holding on to ourselves above the marriage. Now that's huge because if we're doing so, we're exalting ourselves and self-exaltation is not gospel living. 
right? And so that's where I'm saying, like, for each one of us, and now, obviously, not everybody is like us, right? Which is really good, because we're kind of weird, and we've created a bunch of kids that are also a little off in the head. And so I can't tell you specifically, here's what you need to do and what your spouse needs to do. The only way that that's gonna happen is for you guys to have these open lines of communication. And for most of you, you've been, you've been married long enough to realize, okay, these are things that will frustrate me about my spouse, right? You, and for some of that, either, uh, some of that is you need to get over it. And some of that is you need to work it out because it's not okay for me to just always be frustrated every time my wife does something. That's not, that's not right. We're, that's not loving. That's not a picture of the gospel. That's not a picture of the Trinity. So either A, I've got to get over myself, or B, it's something that is damaging to your relationship, right? So one of you, one of you or both of you has to change. Like we, we joke around um, like in our marriage where one of the things that I got super frustrated with is I've always had roommates and I've always been one of the cleaner roommates. And I would get super frustrated if my wife would leave dirty dishes in the sink. And this is just childish, right? Because um, it's a dish. Do I honestly want a, a dish to come between my relationship with my wife? Of course not. And I would get frustrated and I'd be like, hey, can you just, you know, when you're done, wash this, put it away. And, but my wife is not thinking, you know what? I'd love to do something that gets on his nerves. I bet you if I take this and leave it in the sink, it's gonna tick him off. Of course not. My wife's thinking like, oh, I'm done with this. You know, that's it. And so for me to be, to have a perceived harm from that, that's childish and immature, right? And I realized, okay, I'm not gonna let this bother my marriage. So I had to make a switch in my brain and say, you know what? I'm, my job is washing dishes. That's, see that? And that saved so much frustration in our marriage because I was able to just say, oh, I'm just gonna make a change. I'm gonna switch. And we need to be so careful that we don't say, okay, this is something that's so hardwired into me that I'm not, okay, keep in mind, this is what you're doing. I say you, I'm not being accusative. This is what we do when we are holding up something like that, something trivial, something trivial, something petty. We're saying this thing, I'm gonna hold on to this in a way that I'm okay damaging our marriage because of this. I mean, think about it. We need to think through what are these little things that are causing frustrations and irritations in our marriage? And are you willing to hold that up and say, I'm willing to damage this picture of the gospel because of this dish. Is it that important? I mean, it's so funny. These are conversations I'll have with my children, you know? I'll say, like, they'll be fighting over a toy, and they'll be like, okay, now time out. Is this toy more important than your brother? No, you're treating it that way. That's what's happening. And now what is it in our marriages that we're saying, oh, this is more important than my marriage? If so, man, there are things we've got to change. Right? Let's, so what we need to do is we need to, we need to evaluate what is it that's causing friction? What is it causing frustration? And what needs to happen? Do you need to change? Is it that easy? Is it that simple? Because for some of us, it's that simple for you to say, oh, you know what? I'm gonna die to myself for this little aspect of my marriage because it's not a hill to die on, right? It's not a big deal. I'm gonna let it not be a big deal. I'm gonna love my spouse through it. 
Or it's something where you're like, oh, I think that you're doing something that's damaging. Let's, let's talk through this, right? And then that's where it comes down to, okay, we need to make sure we're living with each other in an understanding way. Husbands, make it your goal to understand your wife, to live with your wife according to knowledge. Understand her. And then as we seek to do this, things are gonna come up, we're gonna have to have conflicts. And then in, even in the resolving conflict, be ready to die to yourself. Be ready to die to yourself for the sake of your marriage. Now, again, there are some things that, you know, we've talked about, the caveat, right? There are serious sinful things that you do not put up with. You don't just change. Like, uh, was it Rob? Uh, was it either Spencer or Rob? Who preached this morning? Spencer. Um, you, you can't just hold up something and say, oh, yeah, adultery. I'm going to die to myself because of that. No, no, no. They're sinning against God. If it's not a sin against God, then it's not more important than your marriage. And what we need to do is we need to hold up our marriages and let everything submit to that, including your, your personality. So if there are things in your personality that need to change, just change them. And we need to make sure that we're compromising here because at the end of the day, what we're doing is our goal is to be unified. I mean, at, we look at the, what it says finally, and, and the, we'll finish up with this in First Peter um, uh, verse uh, three, verse eight. He says, finally, all of you, right? Have, what's he say? I'll read it out loud. There we go. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. You know what unity of mind means? That you're thinking the same thing. Have unity of mind. Sympathy, uh, well, unity of mind is thinking the same thing. Sympathy is feeling the same thing. Right, this is, he's saying this is for everybody, but he's just come off talking about husbands and wives, and he says, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And look at this, right? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Right, the goal is, especially when it comes to our marriages, is we don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. We don't do that. On the contrary, we bless. Right, let's, let's let our words be used to bless each other. If there are, if, and for some of you, you need, to, you need to think through, okay, how are we communicating, right? Are we communicating clearly? And how are we dealing with conflict? And how can we, each of us change? It's okay. But that's the goal. With two becoming one, each of the ones do not stay the same. Do you get that? When two become one, Individuals don't say the same. They become a part of the oneness. So what is it that you personally, don't ask, don't say, oh, my, my spouse, he needs to do this, she needs to do that. How do you need to change to have this oneness? Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.